Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My hair is in these braids because I don't want to touch it. Yeah. So unless you are letting me Protective sit between styling. your legs. Yeah, unless is. you're letting me sit between your legs and you're doing my hair every night, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. Welcome to a new episode of the Color Grade Pod. I am very excited to have Anne here again. We are going to talk bad hair. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it a buck after I do this intro <laughs> of the film. I'm gonna let Anne go because uh, we talked about in an earlier episode of have people not having the range. I do not have the range on horror at all. I ain't, I'm not gonna lie to y'all. So I after I do the the, the description <laughs> of of the film we're gonna be speaking about. I'm going to let Anne take it away and I'm going to shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I am so excited to be schooled on this because horror his like, I don't like spending money to not be able to sleep. That oh, is, I love it. See, Please. I, that is my, that is my logistical argument. I will stand by it till the day I, I die. Even, I don't sleep anyway. So like yeah. that, it is what it is. <laughs> it's so, what it is. Going into the description of the film, uh, it is produced, uh, written, and directed by Justin Simeon of Dear White People, both the <laughs> film and the Netflix series Fame. Uh, the premise is set in 1989 in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. uh, a character by the name, I think her name is Anna Bledsoe. Yes. Anna Bledsoe, playing by Elle Lorraine. Um, she is an executive assistant at a MTV-esque music production company called Culture. Um, she has big dreams of being a VJ one day, producing her own show. Um, there was new management having uh, happening at Culture, which always happens. Uh, in comes Zora, played by Vanessa Williams. And now she is trying to get new ideas mm -hmm. to get Culture into the new era of New Jack Swing. Yes. Anna uh, takes that opportunity to pitch her wonderful, you know, creative mm -hmm. ideas of the new generation of what culture could be. And Zora was like, that's great. What about your hair, though? Because sis is nappy. She didn't say that, but she said it with her right. eyeballs. Right. So um, Zora, feeling the pressure of the workplace and trying to, you know, elevate her career, goes and gets a weave in. The weave is haunted. <laughs> For lack of a better term, yes, the weave is haunted. The weave is haunted. Um, and yeah, the weave kills people. Mm, yes. It feeds on blood. And ketchup, apparently. And ketchup. But I thought it was, I actually thought that was the blood from the burger. Maybe that was what, I didn't understand I, I had to do a double take though, yeah. but I, I, I thought it was ketchup <laughs> and I was like, that's not right. It also feeds on period blood, which we're going to. It, yeah. That was such a thing. It but was yes. a, which like <laughs> let's 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 talk about that yeah, for a brief second uh -huh. because uh, as somebody who is not a necessarily a fan of their period, I don't see. Are them, there fans? Like, uh, I mean, you're happy you get it. Yeah, if I, you, I am, if, like if I am, you if you messing around, you happy right, when it comes. I, I am but. very happy that I have it. <laughs> right, but like I was like, that's probably like the only non drawback to like this haunted like this haunted weave. I was like, if I can just like get rid of the blood in my body for that time. 
I don't have to buy pads. I think, you know what? I didn't see it that way, but I could see how that could be that super convenient and super easy. That was but literally my first thought. But it was super messy and not hygienic. I was like, this is just, I was like, this is disturbing. But yeah. also I was like, mm. but you know what? Like, Quick solution. We have the pink tax. <laughs> this is true. Quick solution. I was like, well, <laughs> that was literally my first thought. Anyway, and take it away. Because obviously I don't have the range on horror. These are the things I think about during a horror film. So... <laughs> range on horror okay so let me let me give you a little context so i am so it's la the movie's based in la 1989 and so this is when we've just become a thing so it's still for black women like now black women may ask you know their partner whatever i need money for this weave back in those days when you had a weave you tried to hide it and pretend like this thing was your hair which was hysterical because everyone knew it wasn't your hair and it was like the whispers, I think she got a weave, this is level. So that was actually super authentic that it has, it was like set at that time. In terms of the horror piece, so I am, I am everything from demonic horror, like Amityville Horror, Exorcist, um, those types of movies, Audrey Rose, like all of these old movies to camp horror and specifically black camp horror. So watching this movie was a little, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. it was a little painful for me. I did not necessarily enjoy it because the movie could not decide what it wanted to be. There were movies that came out like um, Death by Temptation, which was a movie in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I think it was about late 80s. Kadeem Hardison was in it. Uh, one of the guys from School Days was in it. He was like the writer and director. And it was a campy horror. And it was based in like, you know, a voodoo goddess and things like that. So they tried to take a little, little bit of what they thought was African culture, even though that's a continent and tons of countries are in it or whatever. They tried to kind of draw that in. Um, Vampire in Brooklyn, uh, movies like Tales from the Hood, and th that were campy and horror. But still done well. They didn't take themselves too seriously. Uh, but this movie seemed to not be able to find its way. So there were, there were movies like Bones. All types of movies like this. Bones was starring Snoop Dogg and um, Bianca Lawson. And there, so there are movies like this. There are, and there's even black exploitation movies like this. Like Blackula, Die, Blackula, Die. Blackula versus Blackenstein. So there's examples of how to do this well. So you're either going to be camp or you're going to go ahead and be a horror film. Or you can be a statement film. This tried to do it all. It tried to do it for way too long. And it was super, like, it was all over the place. So, as you said, the movie was about this haunted weave. But there was also a piece of it where it was rooted in it, this slave story or this story around... Uh, first, there were natives and the white man came. And there was this slave girl who found this moss on a tree that was so fine, it looked like master's hair. And she took it and she made a wig and she found out that this was like the first kind of haunted weave. It was a great story. It was a great theme that could have been pulled through. And, you know, there was a lot of talk around colonizers and, you know, trying to be what the colonizers want you to be. There was lots of statements all over the place around changing the way black women look, around changing yourself to succeed. Vanessa Williams' character, the character called Sister, who eventually does what she needs to do to get ahead, not to spoil the movie for everyone. But there's all of these ways in which they could have stopped and made a statement or expanded on something that it just falls in the water. And then the camp piece of it and the special effects were just so overwhelmingly bad <laughs> that it takes you out of anytime you were you're like okay they're gonna talk about some shit they completely lose it in the camp piece of it they had really good appearances Laverne Cox Vanessa Williams Usher Kelly Roller they had such good people and I feel like they 
tried to throw every piece in the story from the educated black folks that were telling the story to the voodoo, to the African roots, to this political statement, to the white man's role. And they just got it horribly wrong. And the piece that could have tied together the supernatural piece was just done poorly. Um, and you didn't quite get, there could have been such a statement around black hair and a black about the importance of it and about what this thing came to represent. And they never bring it home. They never bring it home, whether it's with the dialogue or with the actual supernatural presence and how they were doing that. So it just the movie just failed overall for me. Um, there were funny pieces. The actors were actually there was some good performances. Um, and again, good themes. They just never bring it together. And the use of horror was just it didn't even need to be there to me but again some of the camp was cute some of it was some of it was cute some of it was well done we talked about the piece with her period which was it was like oh you literally said it was like is this shit gonna happen so it was those pieces were good but just overall as a movie it, it failed and i left there feeling like i don't really care why you made it yeah <laughs> like, so i'm not gonna comment on any of that because mm -hmm. again i don't know horror but i will talk about the technicality of the film right mm -hmm. i think actually on a direction standpoint i think there were some really interesting shots that justin like simeon kind of like carved out that mm -hmm. I enjoyed. I loved the filteriness of the 80s camera, yep. which I enjoyed certain angles that he did and like kind of directed, I thought was very well done. I wish I uh, researched the cinematographer's name, so apologies in advance, um, but fantastic job. I thought that was well done. Um, I agree with you though, overall about the story itself. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things happening and not all of them are running concurrently and they're not all executed well. Um, I think for me, where I struggled with was there is a very nuanced story because it's not like culture is like culture is owned by a white dude, mm -hmm. but it is a all black staff yes. and black senior leadership. Yes. And so I think that there is a specific nuanced story about the the need or pressure to assimilate mm -hmm. even in an all black office. Yes. In the 80s. So I thought that that was a story and a like statement that could have been said yes. of, okay, not only is it a beyond where you, you know, when you're walking out and being a VJ mm -hmm. and you're like, you know, on camera, yes. I get it. But the fact that they had original black content, you know, content with like the super, you know, Rasta, like Afro centric mm -hmm. chick. And they were like, you gotta get a weave, right? Yep. Or like Lena Wave's character who had like the braided bob and mm -hmm. they were like, you need to get this, that, and a third. Yep. So like, I thought that that was very fascinating with new leadership came you know who was it was a black woman to a black woman yes with that new senior leadership came a new way of saying like you are not presentable with your natural hair and i thought that was super authentic because in the 80s and 90s and even somewhat now in corporate it often will be the woman that looks like you telling you these Absolutely. things so i thought that was super authentic um and it was it was the light-skinned woman sitting there telling you this mm -hmm. that looks like it's easy for her to achieve this mm -hmm. look. It was her dark-skinned assistant saying, hey, sister, and leaning in, making it seem like she's doing you a favor, but really telling you, you need to come along on this journey. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, I thought that was super well done. Along with, I've got to say, the costuming. The shoulder pads were everywhere. It was so real. The outfits were the, fantastic. The outfits were super real and super fantastic. I love the, the faux music videos yes. were 
Ac- oh, completely accurate, completely on point. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And Vanessa Williams, who had songs and hit songs, The Right mm-hmm. Touch and things like that during that time, she coached Kelly Rowland. She had to. Mm-hmm. She had to coach Kelly Rowland through that whole thing mm-hmm. because it was such a Vanessa Williams video. I love, and I love that they had someone who, you know, was in mm-hmm. like quote unquote her prime in the 80s. Like that, that Absolutely. was peak Jessica, you know, Jessica Williams, Vanessa Williams, Jesus. Yes. Vanessa Williams uh, uh, era. I love that they brought that back yes. and brought like an icon a black icon mm-hmm. from the 80s and was like making sure that she she really is the co-lead in the story yes from the perspective of like the more seasoned older vet mm-hmm. um falling victim to the same pressures yes. as you know uh anna's character um but yeah i just feel like their commentary was sacrificed for camp mm-hmm. and i like i think in silo if it was just a campy black film here for Hysterical. it. Hysterical. Right. Hysterical. If it was just like a horror comedy film, funny. Like I thought it was funny, but like there, when you're, when you're centering a story about black hair, <laughs> black hair is political. Yes. We don't view it as political because it's just our hair. Yeah. But by the nature of us walking outside, it is political because we, through our ancestors and how we express ourselves mm-hmm. and how we just show our being and like who we are, like yep. we leverage our hair as an extension of our personalities, our voice, our identity. Yep. Um, that is taken by white gays as, oh, this is very political. What are you doing? Yes. Um, what, is, what is the statement you're trying to make what's with this going hair? On here? And um, so, this was braids because I'm going on vacation. Right. But it wasn't right. a thing. <laughs> I, like, my hair is in these braids because I don't want to touch it. Yeah. And, it, like, I'm tired of doing Bantu <laughs> knots every night to keep a curl. Girl, my hair is very fine. I can't do this. So, unless you are letting me Protective sit between styling. your legs. Yeah, it is. Unless you're letting me sit between your legs and you're doing my hair every night, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. And so, like, I, because of that and and the politicalness of our hair, it is definitely an interesting choice mm-hmm. that they kind of, like, Eurostep over <laughs> the fact that it's very political. Yes. And we don't delve into that. At all. In the um, film. Nothing. And this is an interesting thing that I find very fascinating, and I'd love to hear your opinion on mm-hmm. it. I think, like... Jordan Peele was not the first person to do black horror, mm, obviously. No, but no. I do think that there is a certain type of black political horror yes. that he that is sparking the ideas of this. Yes. Some have done it well after him. Some have not done it mm-hmm. well after him. What are your takes on that? Because as I was watching it, I was thinking like, I think this is trying to get like have a, a nugget of, of get out-esque to it. And I just don't think it delivers. But they, I agree. And I think, but they couldn't decide if they wanted to be that or I'm going to get you sucker. And it was, you You cannot do both. I think had they decided to go, I hate to call it this, but the Jordan Peele route, they could have talked about hair as a political sta- statement or what have you in a way that was more credible and believable. Trying to do both just, it took away from any side of, of the, like it took away from, like I said, it, it just, it was trying to do too many things. Um, and it was trying to, like they they were bringing in also how more appealing she seemed to be then all of a sudden she seemed to be this woman who was willing to trade her body for rent money which was off because she had this thing can we talk about that for a second yeah i was it like, was weird like this was like the second film in uh let's say like a 24 hours that i've seen that dealt with sexual assault mm-hmm. now look and i saw them back to back and they all and they all centered black women yes i'm tired I am the obsession with rape and assault of black women is 
like you it is tiring women in general i remember i'm a big game of thrones fan the amount of rape in that day and it was in the books as well and i'm like it this is it's hard we get it we know we do something about, else yeah, we talked about in the zola episode there's a choice <laughs> there is a choice and i think do for, something and I would say more like even more so for this film it could have it, it could have just been like he was trying to drag her out because she ain't pay rent right and, and then the weave same same him. ending yeah but the the level of and it was twice in the movie and yeah. it was like what what what, what was the this point did not need what to was be the here point? why do we have to retread on this it was it was um it was unnecessary it didn't add to the story at all and in fact it felt a little false yeah. um because i'm like her character did not even if her character was willing to do things like to her hair or what have you to get ahead, this seemed out of character. Yeah. And then it became whatever it became. Can we talk a little bit about the ending? <laughs> Am I remembering the ending? Yes. What yes. was the ending? <laughs> so, <laughs> because I sat there for a second afterwards and I was just like, okay. I I was confused as to the message. Are you telling me that at the, at the end of the day, it's still a white man trying to divide us and have us pitted against each other. And he's actually ultimately in control of the whole thing. It kind of sort of seemed like he was worshiping the thing. And so this tree thing, which thing was in control of everything. Um, there was no closure to it. I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. Huh, and closure, even, pun intended. Right, right. And then, <laughs> right, a good one. Um even this in the the end scene in the salon where they're like i believe everyone should know their purpose and then they don't ever close her pur- what is her purpose so I'm this confused. is what confused me <laughs> when they did the, the the incision yes with the with the um uh weave uh needle which mm-hmm. is curved fun fact for those who have never had a weave and or doesn't know that there's different types of needles for mm-hmm. this um when they do the incision and the hair flies out confused about that because it was like you cut the hair out so where where the, where the fuck is it flying where's, out of where's coming and where's it they, coming from they right. do a pan up to like a skylight a woman and it's floating. like her a woman floating which i thought was like is that you is that your spirit is that an apparition there was no i was very confused yes i think what also confused me too was i guess the understanding that she is now become or possessed with this new cult mm-hmm. tribe whatever what fascinated me and i and maybe i'm harping too much on it was that her and her sister fell victim both to it. Yes. They both were in braids. So that was a thing. So I was thinking because it was the 89 moving into 90 and it was moving into the Brandy era and blah, blah, blah. If the hair was adapting itself to be able to take over more people eventually because uh, that's where it was moving to. So it was like, you know, Janet Jackson in the Poetic Justice braids. And so that was very much what ended up. Because it was a, it's a kind of a spoof on MTV. Right. And then, you know, Viacom, whatever, and the little BT, whatever it was. Yeah, with the, but BJs, with yeah. the with, And so it looked very much like, okay, we have this aging diva, which was Vanessa Williams, who looked very much like at the time in the 80s. I don't know who that would have been necessarily, but it might have been a... She gave me like slightly downscaled dynasty. Yes. So it was, and that was very 80s. And then this new, you know, she's wearing look, something that looks like cross colors or mm-hmm. called Kanai and she's got the braids. And you saw a lot of that. You saw a lot of the the, the channel is playing Sade and Anita Baker and blah, blah, blah. And then they're playing something by some new artist. And so it was a lot of that old 80s, big R&B, big shoulder pads crossover into the 90s baggy. And so that was actually perfect for it. But to your point, it was jarring because it was like, wait, everybody had these long silky weaves. What are you both doing in braids? Right. It, and then, and that was, it was it odd took, to see. I, I, I'm going to take your explanation as gospel because <laughs> I 
walked I because I was just like when I think about what is deemed like political hairstyles through yep. the eras braids was definitely on that list you know what I mean it was but the brandy era made it like and a so little like, bit more mainstream yeah and so like okay, Max had it and she had a little weave uh, mm-hmm. bob and um, living single mm-hmm. and so some people had it and it was their trademark thing got you but just those people got I still you. couldn't come into work with it that, and that's why right. I was that's why I was sitting there yeah. like huh I think it was the cor- yeah. I think it was the corporate and like working yes. side of it where you I could not like, do that at I all. think obviously like within our community super normal super super but, like, normal as somebody who this whole movie is talking about like if you want to be on camera you have to have a certain look and it's like okay well now you're in braids like does that look still no. matter for the corporate space or like because i can imagine white folks even during that time when they were making that transition being like eh. so I, like that's what i was that threw me off i liked i like that I'm taking that. It, yes. it was it was very That's because I, I was in the time a pharmaceutical sales rep, and I remember having to go to a sales conference, which was a yearly thing right before I was going on vacation, and trying to make the choice and really struggling with getting braids because I wanted to get them in time for them because you know you get braids your scalp is on fire for yeah. like the first couple of days. Yeah, yeah. I wanted them to rest a little by the time I got on vacation, mm-hmm. but I had this three day conference to get get through and I'm sitting there like I'm going to this conference what do I tell my boss the fact that I have to explain my hair to my boss was a whole thing I call my sister she works for the same company at the time she's like let him know you're going on vacation and this is just for vacation and that basically you'll be back to normal normal when you're when you return but this is 90s and we're in corporate and we are always the only black people in the room in a pharma company that is expanding by leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. So seeing that part was so like, I understood it immediately. Like, okay, that's what it was moving into, but I know it's only in the space where they are. Yeah. It's definitely not, it was not in that corporate space. I'm, and I appreciate that because I, you know, I'm not going to blast your age on the mic. Oh, I'm old shit. I'm old shit. <laughs> You're not. I, I refuse to say I'm these 46 days. and I'm good. Don't okay, worry about it. Okay, no, I'm good. good. I'm okay. good. It's fine. That's fine. But like we, there's, there's, there's an age divide because I'm Ooh. 28 and obviously you being 46. Yeah, but... that hurt my heart just now in my uterus. <laughs> Could have given birth. Could have in some ways gave, given but birth. Cool, I, but you know what? But I appreciate having yeah. someone who was having to deal with that corporate mm-hmm. factor during the era on this podcast talking yes. about this because I, I do think like you know women like you paved the way for me to feel comfortable in my corporate space to wear the hair that and I we wear. made bad choices we did and it's 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 thank you for saying we paved the way but a lot of us made the choice to fall in line we a lot of us did we didn't see any other way and having you know especially coming from the respectability uh, politics immigrant parents blah 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 you fall in line and so that, I think that was part of what was disappointing about this movie. It was just like, you had such a chance to talk about this and chose to not really talk about this at all. It was, you chose to go the, the camp road, the camp road so much so that you just did not make the statement of how hard the, the sacrifices that the women chose to do this to the, the pain that she sat through. And, you know, the early weaves, the... the you couldn't, nobody's making you bleed mm-hmm. now because you suing, you suing yeah. folks and all that. Right. But the fact that people were going through this early on, they just, they left it there. Mm-hmm. There was no commentary on the amount of pain black women are going through to try to fit in and assimilate and, and all those things. Just nothing. It yeah. was there, but nothing was said about it. No, I agree with that. I think the the other thing that I found fascinating, kind of like, just you know, just supposing that with my experience working in corporate America, you know, I started, I graduated from college in 2013. I started working in corporate America straight in, mm-hmm. and I was in very old school CPG company. Um, and so there was still 
tidbits of that, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're now in a new era where people in the workforce is like opened up. So there's different types of employment that you can have, yes. you know, in the gig economy and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But then there's still also very, you know, old school, yes. old school, old school places that are still dealing with this. Um, and so from you with the infinite wisdom, <laughs> what advice would you have for, for women, particularly black women who are still having to deal with making those choices in, you know, how do they present themselves and feeling comfortable in their own skin when it, you know, comes to their hair? So I'm going to say, I'm going to caveat this super easy for me to say, um, 20 some odd years into my career and being in leadership positions and things like that to now tell you to take take a stand. Um, but I think at this point in 2020, there's enough education and information out there that these folks need to know at this point. And it's not your job to educate them. Come in who you are, do your work, be authentic. You will be much freaking happier in the long run. If this is not the place for you, you will find out soon enough. And you don't actually wanna be there. So like, you know, still at my age, I have friends who are like, oh, I'm going to this job and I'm going to take these braids out. Why? Why would you want to work at a place at this point in your career that is looking at this and, and judging your credibility on it? So we're still struggling with it. And what I would probably say to young women is, young, like, you know what you can do. And of course, it's imposter syndrome. Maybe you don't know what you can do. This, your hair has nothing to do with that. So be authentic. You know what professionalism is is not the white supremacist notion of it. You know that if you have an Afro, pick the lint out of that shit before you go to work. That's about as professional as you need to go. Pat your Afro down, go to work. Really understand that you have a right to be there. Your hair has nothing to do with that. Your religious covering has nothing to do with that. Your jewelry has nothing to do with that. Your make If it's distracting to your clients, that's another conversation you have to have. But why is it distracting to your clients? If you're, and you also know your room, you know your audience, you know that, if you're coming to work at a Takeda or Shire, one of the pharma companies, and you have a tattoo on your face, might not work. But it depends on the work you're trying to do for them. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you're trying to be the face of this campaign, it may not work. But if you're behind the scenes doing this, what the hell does that have to do with it? I know my work. I know my worth. I know what to do. So for me, the only advice is... If it makes you that uncomfortable that you feel like you have to change your physical appearance, it's probably not the place for you. And that's just in, in any way, whether it's I need to struggle into this shaper and these spanks every day to, to do whatever. And, and if it's what you want to do, that's fine. But if it's if someone's making you feel like you have to do that, it's just not a safe space. And it's always about your safety. It is always about your safety. If you don't feel safe in the space, reasonably safe because you got to make money, you, you just it's not it's not a place for you. So for me, that that's really it. It is keep your braids, keep whatever, keep your relaxer. Like, and it doesn't matter whoever, nobody else is here to validate you, whether it's another black person, another black woman, the white woman you're interviewing with, the white man you're interviewing with, do what do whatever feels comfortable to you. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. And mm -hmm. color grade approved. That's hard. Um, <laughs> but be honest, like be honest. I would recommend people see it because um, I'm one person. And so you may find enjoyment in it in a way, but if I had to really sit down and recommend it to like my friends, my friend group, I'd be like, you can miss this. It can, it can be that, you know what? I had six glasses of wine and I'm on the couch and I'm just gonna watch this tonight, but I wouldn't, it's, it's just not a thing I'd recommend. Um, I'm gonna say it is for me, color grade approved with a caveat. Mm -hmm. It is a long film. 
Yes. Um, I don't know what what the update is on distribution standpoint. If they cut some of the film, I would recommend it. Yeah, it felt to me like something that was if they finished it, it might be better. Yes. Yes. And there are definitely films that have not been acquired at Sundance before that mm-hmm. gets a nice little edit. They change the ending based on, you know, feedback from the audience. Yeah. It's happened before. There have been black films that have had that. Uh, one was Don't Let Go with David Oyelowo mm. and Storm Reed last year where the ending changed completely um, based on um, critic and broader audience feedback. So it can happen. Um, I would say because of that, it's color grade approved for me mm-hmm. with a caveat. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Ariel. I am a producer, editor, sometimes camera person. I work in docs. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm here uh, with my team. I work for a production company in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And I'm here with my team. And I'm also here as the associate producer of a film that premiered called Aggie. Ooh, that's exciting. Um, So... Part of what we do at Color Grader, we're thinking about is the black queer perspective at um, in the film industry in general. And our tagline are the things we think about is like, do you see the color? And I'm wondering at, here at Sundance, um, where are you seeing the color? So I feel like I'm having a highly curated experience here um, because I'm here with two black veteran black filmmakers who have already created a lot of uh, connections and community intentionally in this space. So I've been in a lot of spaces that are, if not majority POC, at least like well populated with black Mm -hmm. folks. Um, And I don't know if that, I don't know, this is my first time at Sundance, so I don't know if that is something that's new to this moment in time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's new, if that's particular to the experience that I'm having because of how I've traveled here, mm-hmm. um, but that's been my experience. That yeah. I've been in a lot of spaces where there are majority POC or at least a strong POC presence. Everyone has one. It's your first year. What is your Sundance story? My Sundance story. Being asked so, to be on a okay. podcast. <laughs> Being asked to be on a podcast. Um, I was really, really stressed out about my outfits and (laughs) I was really worried about being I live in New York I live in New York but this is like a different kind of this is like actively being outside in the cold yeah um so I spent it's like warm cold which is weird it's warm cold but then you have moments when it's just cold cold and then (laughs) it starts to snow at some it's it started to snow yesterday and then you're walking around in the snow and anyways it's so it's all really manageable but I was really stressed about what to wear so I I I had my like little team come over before I left what's your favorite outfit my tell us you know what it is what's your wait first of all have you worn the outfit yet I haven't worn the outfit okay, yet. Okay, okay, okay. When are you wearing the outfit? Like, when is it planned for? Maybe tonight. Ooh, Saturday night. It's a Saturday night outfit. Yeah, okay. Maybe tonight. And the outfit is just like a warm dress, but sexy. Oh, a sexy, warm dress. Like a high collar. It's got a little bell sleeve. Okay. I don't know if you guys should publish this. It sounds like a little. <laughs> it sounds fantastic. Like a shallow. No, I love it. I love it. We all, we all did the same thing. You think I just picked these pants out randomly? No. Um, <laughs> Oh, and so we're going to be interviewing a lot of like black creatives, 
queer fit, um, people, like people who are marginalized, what are questions you have for them around their, like how they got to Sundance or like just any questions you would have for black creatives? So the thing that I keep thinking about is like, this is my first time here. It, it, this is a big deal for a lot of people to come mm-hmm. here. You have a lot of access to folks in the industry. And part of me is really excited about that. And part of me is like, like what I it's great that we're here and I heard that it's not it hasn't always been this representative Mm -hmm. the festival in terms of the films or the people or the filmmakers Mm -hmm. or the community that's here and so I I really applaud like all of the efforts that have been done to get more black people and more POC into this space but then I'm also like I'm sort of like well, what other spaces exist where we have access to the resources that we need to tell our stories that doesn't rely on, like, I don't know, doesn't rely on forcing our way into something that wasn't conceived for us? Yes. You said nothing but a word. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Color Grade, recorded live at the Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah. I'm your host, Joy Childs, and you can find me at Jump for Joy on Twitter and Instagram and at joychilds.com. Color Grade is produced by Domino Sound. budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns